Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. Myth we this week is Mike Hansen. I guess, Mike, hi, first of all. Hey, Bruce. I guess, first of all, we should just talk about the fact that this wasn't a very big week of data. We're kind of sandwiched between what was very significant last week and we get a, another significant round next week. Um, but we are in the process of thinking about how much um, our thinking about where we stand in the business cycle has shifted. Um, and maybe we should just start with that and we can then get into some issues around how we're thinking about central banks and also what we're expecting to see in next week's data. So why don't you start by saying, okay, we've had a, quite a bit of interesting January data so far. Uh, what's, the, what's the important message to take from that? Yeah, I think generally speaking, the January data is coming a bit better than expected. And we obviously were seeing some you know, notable loss of momentum into December. So uh, I think that the message you want to take away from that is we've been looking for a while that kind of fading inflation and underlying resilience in the economy is going to support continued growth this year, that we aren't going to sort of slip into the recession in the near term that a lot of people have been concerned with. And I think if anything, we're probably a little more comfortable in that view as we go forward here. I'd say more than a little more comfortable, right? I mean, it, it doesn't feel that that's how, I mean, certainly the U.S. has got still questions, um, but I think China's clearly moving up. Europe, Europe is well. clearly moving up and the U.S. is looking okay for that. And I guess this is, this becomes the issue if we, as you noted, this has been our view. Um, but now that we get to the idea that we probably aren't going into recession in the near term, another part of our view was about the difficulty of tying down exactly what the path for the year ahead will be. So as we kind of think about the uh, number of possibilities that we've considered soft landing, uh, drib dribbling towards recession or uh, a pause that's not enough, those were the three broad scenarios we laid out um, in the outlook and, and have, been, have been following. Um, what's the way we think about how those, those alternatives are kind of playing out in relation to each other? Well, I think certainly that one of the big challenges on the data front that may make the soft landing somewhat more challenging as we go forward is this idea that labor markets just continually remain very tight. Um, yeah. We're seeing that. And in that regard, it's important to remember we had actually been forecasting some easing in U.S. Yes. and European labor markets at this point uh, in the early part of the year. And we're right. obviously getting the opposite of that, not easing. We're getting more tightening. Yeah, I think people will point to the fact that you're seeing some moderation in wage growth, particularly in the U.S., I think less so in Europe. Just in the U.S. I don't see it anywhere in Europe right now. <laughs> That's fair. But even so, that moderation is still not particularly uh, sizable at this point, right? It still leaves open the question that we're going to end up with wage growth that settles at a level above what the Fed or other central banks be comfortable with. And so that, I think, leans in this direction of the sort of the uh, pause is not enough scenario uh, a bit more heavily. Yeah, and I think I think just on that note, one, some of the things we've looked at this this week kind of highlights the fact that a lot of the wage deceleration was actually in the sectors that were significantly dislocated during the um, the pandemic, particularly leisure and hospitality, and that that's good news. It 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 definitely is a genuine deceleration. But I think that kind of I would put in the bucket of the things that are going to come off here, but aren't going to really tell you much about the underlying trends and how much labor market tightness actually uh, does mean. And right. and that I think we're still have to wait. But, you know, as you as you noted, 
labor markets are tight. Uh, they're 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 tight, even though we've gotten some better supply side news. And um, I think it's hard to put together that tightness of labor markets if it's going to be maintained with a view that you get wage inflation that really comes back as much as you need from the point of view of the Fed. Um, there's also though the story about price inflation and 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 you know this the one thing we did get this week was some some news on CPIs for January and we'll obviously can talk about that in the context of also a, a pretty large number that we're going to get next week. So what's the what's the message on January inflation readings? Yeah, I mean generally speaking, we're we're seeing inflation come down specifically on the headline front, and that's very much an energy story. Um, but you're still seeing a decent amount of stickiness in core. And so what we saw in the January numbers is really came in and on the month on month basis thus far about a 10th or a little more than a 10th higher than we were forecasting across the countries we've available. It's not uniform, but that's kind of where it's leaning. And as of course you alluded to, we are looking for a fairly strong, you know, relatively speaking to recent prints, uh, CPI report for the U.S. next week. We're looking for. Well, I would say a core reading of 0.5 is strong, even in absolute terms. Not back to the peaks, but it's still pretty. Exactly. Pretty we have a recent history of much stronger numbers. But yes, so if you got five tens both on headline and core, uh, it looks like, for example, um, some of the very significant disinflation in the used vehicle sector might at least be taking a pause for now, right? So that's sort of adding to it. And it gets to this point we talked about earlier, there's still a lot of cross currents that are kind of pandemic related that are not necessarily uh, driven by more fundamental relationships we point to like strength of the labor market potentially feeding through into wage and price inflation, right? Yeah. And, I, and I, I think there's a point to make here when you're looking at what we're expecting on core CPI next week, also, what we're looking for on retail sales and IP, which are pretty strong prints, you put it in the context of the labor market report. I mean, if you looked at January by itself, you'd say, boy, this economy is picking up steam. But that's not really the way we're interpreting the news. Well, no, I mean, we're our forecast is for 1% annualized growth for the first quarter and then decelerating slowly from there, right? So they'll leave aside the from there. But I mean, just okay. even thinking about the first quarter, um, you know, there's, there's, I think, a good reason to take the news in January and say, hey, you want to fade what had been a pretty sharp momentum slide in November and December. But I don't think you want to take the January story sure. and, ru and run with it. So as you're saying, our first quarter GDP forecast is still pretty weak. Uh, I think there's a case for that being heavily driven by the swings in inventory and trade, which were very supportive in Q1, um, in Q4, excuse me. But um, it's it's a little bit difficult here to know where that underlying trend is. You just have to wait a little bit. But we're not running with it and saying, hey, the U.S. economy is off to the races here. Uh, however, I do think you know one of the things that is a signal and we can't ignore is this tight labor market. And uh, you know, you know, as you said, there's there is moderating wages, but um, you know, at the same time, there's moderating wages. We have a big. Uh, you know, set of indicators that just say labor markets are still pretty tight here. If you look at the level of wages and look at, we did get the Atlanta Fed wage tracker this week, which showed some moderation, but you still have a pretty elevated run rate on wage inflation for those people who are switching jobs, which might be telling you something on the margin about uh, what's going on in terms of, um, you know, labor costs. And I, and I do think it's an interesting point when we look at the European wage data that we got this, uh, uh, 
you know, significant increase in the fourth quarter. And, and Greg Fazezzi, our Euro economist, is looking for a, a pretty big pop in right. Q1 uh, that would bring wage inflation in Europe above a 4% uh, year ago basis. The, you know, the issue in the U.S. is um, are we going to see something similar when we see the ECI for Q1? Are there wages that are being bunched in their, their resetting uh, in response to um, last year's inflation uh, that, and the tightness in labor markets as, as well? That starts to give you, you know, something of a, of a pass-through. That's, that's still to be seen. Unfortunately, we won't see the employment cost index till um, um, April, end of April, I think. Uh, but there is, you know, even in the average hourly earnings number, if you adjusted it for, uh, you know, the the compositional effects, it was running uh, over 0.4 uh, for the second month in a row. So it's not come down quite as much as it might it might seem. So with that, talk to me about the Fed and other central banks. Uh, we had some news this week, uh, and we have obviously. Um, been thinking about how all of this affects the the ones that did didn't meet this week, and and uh, why don't we start start with the ones that did meet this week? Yeah, we had uh, hawkish surprises, uh, particularly from the uh, RBA in Australia, where they hiked. We were kind of expecting them to be on hold, and we added a couple more hikes into the outlook uh, as a result of that. Um, and then the Rick's Bank uh, hiked more than they were uh, guiding earlier, but in line with expectations. But then they also added on to that actually uh, outright asset sales in their QT program. So again, uh, more hawkish bent to, to both of those central banks. And obviously it comes in the back of last week, having revised up, uh, adding another 25 basis points to our Fed call, uh, getting kind of a clear signal for another 50 basis points out of the ECB, and we're still looking for more rate hikes um, out of the BOE. So you know, outside of the Bank of Canada, which gave kind of a fairly dovish assessment in its uh, inaugural minutes, there's still a lot of lean in that direction to need to do a bit more coming out of the DM central banks is obviously at a slower pace as we go forward, right? We've gotten now into fairly restrictive territory in most of these countries. So there's uh, you know, kind of a natural move now to kind of step back a little bit, look around a little bit more, be a little more cautious, a little more two-sided. Um, and so we're seeing some slowing in the pace, but we're obviously not done yet. Um, and there's a, a risk that that slower pace could continue for longer if, as we talked about earlier, we continue to see kind of wage and price pressure remaining elevated, not coming down to a level that's going to make central banks quite comfortable. I, I think it's interesting in this, in the context of this conversation is um, as we're thinking about things, we're still talking about central banks that are trying to calibrate central banks that are, they're sure. not trying to actively throw economies over. Uh, so they're trying to balance here the risk of inflation with the, risk of recession and they try to find that space in the, in the policy stance that that can get you um the outcome they 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 desire here obviously a soft landing um you know the idea that they'll swing aggressively towards pushing us into recession doesn't seem right here not only is there uh revealed preferences so far that they don't want to do that but i think also they're not going to see the kind of data that's going to be that decisive, but the idea that they might continue to lean against this in a way that could, you know, eventually tip us over, even if that's not intention intending, is something that has, I think, gained some um, probability in our different scenarios. We had a pretty uh, strong bias towards a pause sometime around the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. And if the Fed is going to pause in the middle of the year, um, you have to ask whether or not the inflation news is going to be enough unless the labor market really does 
does soften here. And that, that does become a more you know, reasonable scenario to say that the Fed may not be tightening at a 50 basis point in a meeting clip, but it may also not be pausing for any extended period of time. I wouldn't rule out taking a meeting off, but um, we might sure. have to, we might see the Fed kind of boil the frog, so to speak, by going above uh, 5% materially in, in small steps here. Uh, and obviously that's a, a concern you might have, not just for the Fed, but other central banks. Um, before we stop, Mike, anything else that we should be talking about here? China, I mean, there's a, there's some news on Bank of Japan, Governor. I don't, I don't want to go over it unless it's important, but is there anything that's kind of sitting on your mind that you think we should spend a minute on? You know, I mean, we, we've been writing a fair bit about how the data in China, the high-frequency data, is, is certainly supporting the idea that there's a, a pretty strong rebound um, yep. coming. Uh, I think one of the interesting things I've seen a lot of discussion of late is sort of what that means in terms of the global spillover, particularly for inflation. There's a lot of questions about that. Um, you know, the view I think that we are generally holding to right now is it's going to be a very much a kind of a domestic rebound, right? It was really domestic consumption and services that kind of was the thing that was really hit. So that's where the, you know, you know, the strength of the reopening is going to occur, which means probably less of a global spillover, both in terms of growth and in terms of inflation. So why don't we leave it there? Again, a lot of data next week. Uh, inflation news for a lot of countries, including the U.S., which we've already talked about. We're looking for a 510 score on inflation. We're looking for 2.2% headline retail sales. Uh, we're looking for a 1% gain in factory output in the U.S. Those are really strong numbers across the board. Again, we're, we're fading that to some degree, but I wouldn't fade the signal here that the expansion is still moving forward here as we go through the first quarter. And on that, able to leave on a bright note, I'll say thanks, everybody, and hope that we can continue the conversation again next week on JP Morgan TV.